0: Welcome to the wonderful world of wine, exploring all things wine with you. We are your hosts, Kim Simone and Mark Lindsay, bringing you trending topics in the wine world. You can find us on Facebook at the wonderful world of wine. wine,
1: wine, wine.
0: again everyone and welcome to the wonderful world of wine every week mark and i bring you new topics and various articles and bits of news that we find that are going on in our uh, our world of wine and we love these conversations we have every week and how are you today
1: mark i am great kim always good to talk wine with you and our I listeners know. Time i love these little, these little get year. together
0: things we do once a week it's wonderful
1: Yeah, we get to babble about wine and all our geekiness, and (laughs) hopefully uh, people following along with us appreciate it, and uh, we get them with some interest in the wine world.
0: Yeah, and I hope that uh, you, our listener, is getting something out of this, and I'm sure that as you're listening to, whether you're listening to this as our radio show on Franklin Public Radio, or you hear this as our podcast, I'm sure you have questions that come up. And when you have those questions, we would really love it if you would go to our Facebook page, The Wonderful World of Wine on Facebook, and leave us those questions and comments because we are certainly happy to address them on one of our shows and uh, maybe even mention you by name.
1: We love questions.
0: We love questions and we love to talk about the things that people want to know about. And we always make that a point of our classes. And one of these days, we will get back to doing in-person classes again. we We want to meet you at your level. Level. We want to teach you what you want to know and give you that really great base knowledge of wine. So send us your questions and your comments. And like I said, we would be happy to address them on the air. So the first article that we have today is a little sciency and a little geeky, but I certainly love the science aspect of wine. And it's about antioxidants and antioxidants in wine. And this is something that we've been hearing for, what, 25, 30 years maybe about some of these health benefits that wine might have. And. And antioxidants it are, you know, this is definitely um, still a buzzword when it comes to health, isn't it, Mark?
1: Yeah, it's always been the, the hot kind of thing in the wine world. We always, I think we always joke around, Kim, that you can always find something that says wine is good for you, and you can always see stuff that wine is bad for you. Mm-hmm. And it, I think my doctor's on the side of, he never understands when I say I taste a lot. I never tell him I drink a lot, but it is a lot of good things in wine that are are proven to be healthy for you. And that's what our friend here at uh, wine folly was talking about in this article. A lot of good information, I thought, and a lot of big terms. I hope you're going to pronounce them to the listeners. Because, <laughs> I will. <laughs> yeah. Some of them were pretty pretty long, technical, geeky things. And I know you're you're hitting up the chemistry world lately, so this should be right up your alley. Some of these I'm going to have trouble with, but I'm going to do my best. So the bottom line, she started out saying like, it's good for us, but is this like the snake oil thing? Is it, is it really? That's what I was kind of taken from it. Is, mm-hmm. is it, you know, is it the snake oil out there saying it's good, so drink it? But, you know, always keep in mind, this is alcohol. So right. no matter what, alcohol is is bad in certain ways, but there are good things within the wine that can can help you health-wise.
0: Right. And I, I think that, you know, especially when it comes to alcoholic beverages, like it comes to a lot of chemical compounds, because really at the end of the day, that's what wine is. It's full of chemical compounds, albeit natural chemical compounds. There's the dosage makes the poison is the phrase. So you could have just a little bit of alcohol every single day and it could be good for you. Or you could have way too much alcohol every single day and it's very detrimental to your health. So I think that as Americans, Americans are very like one side or the other. We we, we do things either not at all or to excess. And alcohol really fall, has always historically um, in America fallen into that category of, you know, there's really... It's very difficult to find this middle ground of, okay, what is a healthy amount to drink? And there's very conflicting information, like you said, about is it good for you? Is it bad for you? how much is good for you, how much is bad for you. And it does seem like every week we sort of get new studies or, you know, this study will say something and this study will say another something and it's from all over the world. So if you are going to be a consumer of alcohol, which we assume that our listeners are because you're listening to a podcast about wine, be aware that too much is probably not very good for you. But there's also been studies that saying that having just a little bit is good for you. So, Of all of these things that are in wine that could potentially be good for your health, just remember that you have to balance that out with the amount of alcohol that your body is also consuming. So, you know, don't make it too hard on your liver.
1: Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned there's a lot of compounds in wine and you hear people talking about things that hurt them and they're thinking it's really sulfur. And we always talked about it. it's not. There's a big talk about histamines and how mm-hmm. those compounds can hurt you. And Yeah, the histamines out there seem to be like the them. new
0: buzzword of why am I having a reaction to wine? And now the idea is, oh, it's the histamines in the wine. So just like maybe you're allergic to chamomile and you can't drink chamomile tea because it makes you, you know, all puffy and, you know, you're sneezing and whatever. Grapes are a fruit and fruits have histamine, and, or they allow your body to create histamines, which respond to certain chemical compounds produced from those grapes. So yes, you may have a reaction to that wine that has nothing to do with alcohol and has nothing to do with sulfites, but it may have to do with just, just those other natural compounds that are causing a reaction within your body because they are a vegetative product.
1: Yeah, and all individuals will react different to all these different compounds. But but this article was talking about the antioxidants and which we always think of the good side that's in the wine. Mm-hmm. And they say there's, there's research out there they prevent stress that can cause aging, cancer, diabetes, heart disease, dementia. I mean every every like you said, Kim, every week you're seeing something, you know, they're doing this article in England. This week it's about your heart and this week it's about this and that you can always find something out there. Yeah, but, it's so true. And the antioxidants are a big thing, but I never realized how many different forms of antioxidants there are within red wine.
0: Right. And reds are generally what we're talking about when we're talking about wines having these the antioxidant protectives, these benefits. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, what I really liked about this article was I, I enjoyed this sciencey nature of this article because, like you said, I'm. I'm Taking um, a little basic chemistry class just so that I could understand the some of the concepts behind winemaking and like well, what's the benefit? Why do we use sulfur? Like what's the benefit of sulfur? Like that kind of a thing. So the fact that this actually went into some pretty significant detail about how antioxidants are beneficial in our bodies, I really appreciated that because I'm like, oh, I learned something like this last week in my chemistry class. So if you are interested in kind of understanding the science of it, we really do suggest that you go look at this actual article. So if you go to Wine Folly and look up, um, even just do a search for wine antioxidants, it's going to help you a lot. But it's that there are, at the base of it, antioxidants protect against oxidative stress. And oxygen, we need it to live, but it also degrades living things. So that's why when you cut an apple and you expose the inside part to oxygen, it starts to brown. That's why a banana browns, it's why when you leave a white wine open for a week on your counter, it's going to start turning brown. And it kind of does similar things inside our bodies. We don't turn brown, but it is one of the reasons why we age and why, you know, our our systems start to function less well as we get older. So it's these oxidative stresses. And this article was really kind of getting to the bottom of when molecules sort of start to fall apart because of the oxidative stress on them. And they create these things called free radicals. They're Looking to fill these empty spaces and these little broken parts that they have of them. So they fill their own spaces by scavenging off of other bits from your cells. And so if they're taking little bits from, say, your blood cells or uh, your, you know, whatever other cells in your body, that is causing damage to your healthy cells. And these antioxidants protect against that. So they are like filling the gaps that these oxidative, they call them reactive oxygen species, these imbalanced molecules. So antioxidants kind of fill those gaps so that you don't have the damage to your cells that you ordinarily have. And like you were saying, red wines, they have a lot of these and they're a lot of different ones. It's not just often we think of maybe there's one or two good things in grape skins or grape seeds, but this article really went into detail about how many different types of compounds are beneficial in red grapes.
1: Yeah. And the only one I ever knew was resveratrol.
0: Right. That's the one we hear about a lot.
1: Everybody hears that. But, you know, like you said, there were other ones. I think Wasn't there the French paradox thing years ago that brought to light resveratrol?
0: Yeah, that kicked it all. That kicked off this whole like wine with a meal, especially red wine is a healthy beverage kick in the US. And it was in like 91 or 92. So it was like, they're almost 30 years ago now. Yeah. Um, it was a, um, a piece on 60 Minutes and they were talking oh, about it was 60 time Minutes. Magazine. Yep. Nope, it was 60 Minutes and it was a piece about how is it that French people can eat all this butter and all this animal fat and,
1: and smoke, wine.
0: smoke cigarettes all the time and drink all of this wine and yet have lower incidence of heart disease, heart attacks, strokes, all of these issues that we in America have here. So the premise of this was, what if it's the wine? What if the wine is providing some sort of protective measure? And it sent red wine sales like to new heights for American consumers. And I don't think there was anything that really met that type of enthusiasm for wine until we had uh, Sideways, (laughs) the movie come out, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And then everyone's like, blah, Pinot Noir, must buy it. So yeah, it was really like a game changer for American wine drinking, especially red wine.
1: I remember researching how much, you know, what volume you needed to consume to really for it to be healthy. So you're talking a huge quantity of resveratrol that you would need in your diet. When they did these tests on like, you know, lab animals or rats or whatever, they really put like hundred times more than you would actually consume. So it's huge volume, but it is in small percentages in the wine. And like you said, Kim, a lot of it comes from the tannin parts of the wine, the grape skins, the seeds that gives it that, uh, these compounds into the wine.
0: So I know that like the scientific studies and the experiments they've done on animals has been like okay you need you would need to drink the equivalent of you yeah, know a lot. i don't know 50 bottles a day or whatever yeah. to get the resveratrol
1: we call but, that kim kim amount of wine <laughs>
0: hey now <laughs> i might it's drink a lot, a lot of but wine. i don't
1: drink that much yeah it's a lot of wine uh,
0: it's a lot it would have it would be it's a lot of wine it's like no, no your body would not be able to survive that but i wonder how much of it is really small doses consistently all the time. Like like say I have a glass of red wine literally every single day. And the reason why I think that there might be something to that is because as I was looking through this list of these different types of tannins, because most of these, the beneficial compounds are found in the tannins. So it's mostly in red wines and not in white wines because the tannins come from the skin of the grapes. These are also the same exact compounds that are found in And we've sort of always been told that drinking tea, black tea or green tea or white tea, real tea, is also very beneficial. And they think that that's, you know, one of the reasons why folks in Japan have such, you know, so much longer lifespans and healthier lives than, than some of us in other countries outside of Japan. And I'm wondering if it's this small doses all the time. As opposed to like we'll take a pill that is you know however many I use of resveratrol in a you know in a pill form as opposed to just the natural version of it, but little bits fairly consistently. so I don't know. Yeah. I'm yeah. not a scientist, I'm a wine teacher.
1: And, <laughs> so. we, and it's interesting, isn't it, Kim that we when we teach about tannins, we use tea as an example all the time yeah right i mean so that's it's so interesting how that and i drink a lot of tea
0: so you know maybe, maybe that those, th- those things go hand in hand. It's like maybe that's why I like red wine and why I like tea because they hit my palate in similar ways. Like I like those textures. And so it's all very pleasant to me. And, you know, maybe I'm getting all the, the good things out of it
1: too. Now, they did mention, Kim, that the whites do have antioxidants. White wines mm-hmm. do have antioxidants. And some came from acids that are in the wine, but some... Uh, white grapes do have a colored skin, so they do put a little tannin into the wine. So, mm-hmm. there are some that are touching the skins a lot longer than others. So, you can find these in white wine, but like we said, with red, you would have to drink you know triple the amount of white to get the the ingredients out of it. So, right, uh, but they are in whites. They do you want to mention some of these other things other than resveratrol? Yeah, so you wanna just say them so.
0: Yeah, so there resveratrol like things. Resveratrol is the one that we sort of hear of the most, but there are also compounds called quercetin's and then the the rest of these compounds that are also considered to be tannins. There are catechins and epicatechins and then the big long word, let's there see we if go. I can get this right, proanthocyanidins.
1: That sounded great thank you. Um, <laughs> I know you do a good this job. Is the,
0: this is the other one that this is the one that's the main one in tea, I believe. And so these all are kind of, you know, part and parcel to, well, what is it that we get that are these beneficial compounds from fruits and vegetables and these dark skinned things? Like we're always hearing about these super fruits, right? So, I mean, blueberries and acai berries and pomegranate and all these like really darkly colored sometimes tannic kinds of fruits that have all of these similar compounds so they kind of you know all go together and whether you believe in the idea of a super fruit or not all of these fruits that have skins that have these bright colors and it's kind of our our it's common knowledge that these things are really good for you. This is why these things are really good for you because they have these compounds in their skins that act as the these antioxidants that protect our bodies against the degradation that, you know, that time and the environment and other bad things that we do to them.
1: Uh, yeah, and earlier Kim you mentioned Pinot Noir as the grape, mm-hmm. uh, but when we're talking tannins, you would you would look for a heavier wine like a Shiraz, sarah or a, Pino, a cab or a merlot something that's heavier which has a thicker skin so technically it should have more of these antioxidants from the skins.
0: You would think so, but I think that there has been research that says that for it it's not just how tannic is the wine. Like there have been studies that have been showing that different types of grapes grown in different regions will show varying levels of these things. So I I think it's definitely like an ongoing kind of study. But I, I think Pinot Noir usually comes out on top as far as one of the healthier types of wines to be drinking which seems kind of counterintuitive because it's a lighter red and yeah. you know you read can that see on, through it with
1: histamines i've read that with pinot yeah huh that Supposedly, doesn't surprise me histamines are lower so yeah 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 because well, it's, it's good lighter. i mean it's all covered so we like that that's right all red wines
0: so again like we always try to say in moderation
1: <laughs> yeah drink in moderation it's alcohol people. but we feel it's good for you that's right You're listening to the wonderful world of wine, and we are your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone, exploring all things wine with you. If you like more information about Kim, please go to her website at vinitaswineworks.com. If you like more information about myself, please go to franklinliquors.com. And for any questions or comments on our show, please go to our Facebook page, The Wonderful World of Wine. Next, Kim, we'd like to talk to our listeners about an interesting article. It was almost like a history of where did sommelier come from? How did this word start? This was something I I was very interested in, Kim, because I, I had always researched way back what was, you know, a servant was called that was to do with wine. And they started out first in this article about defining sommelier. How did it start, basically, is what they started with, right, Kim? Mm -hmm. And it was actually a 14th century French word that was a servant in charge of uh, transporting the Lord's baggage and wine. And was also responsible for tasting of that wine.
0: Right. So it was a certain type of... Body servant who, you know, would be responsible for the Lord's stuff. And they had to have a certain amount of knowledge of wines in order to choose decent wines for the Lord to drink. But then also tasting them and testing them to make sure that nobody was trying to poison the Lord.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, now everyone's thinking, wow, what a great job. But no, 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 no. But it's like, oh, no,
0: no, you might die. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Someone's always trying to kill the Lord. So. Someone had to step up and, you know, but then again, if if that person was the one always getting the wine, they probably knew that it was safe. So they would drink it probably some good wine and, and a lot of it before they were serving it.
0: Yeah. It doesn't sound like a bad gig, honestly. No, but I-, I know that at, in my time of being a wine professional and any time that I would tell someone what I did for a living and I'm like, oh, I... I'm in wine, the very next question I would get is, oh, are you a sommelier?
1: Yeah. And I'm yeah.
0: like, that's the term that everybody knows. So yeah. over the years, I've kind of like, I need to wrap my arms around the acceptance of this term because no, I'm not. But it's actually a very hazy term. Yeah, for it's, been,
1: it's been trending people. a lot lately too, about what what is actually going on with that yeah. being used?
0: So like so many things, there are certain terms that you can get a certification in that thing, and then you can be called that thing. Or if you just do that job, then you are that thing. And uh, you had recommended a book to me a couple of months ago, Mark, uh, Wine Girl. Yes. uh, By Victoria James, who is a well-established sommelier in New York City. She was the youngest certified sommelier in the country when she was only 21 years old. And there's a part of her book where one of her mentors tells her that it's not the certifications that you have. You know, you could have an advanced advanced sommelier certification and PIN, but if you don't do that as your job, then you don't deserve to call yourself a sommelier. And then she had another colleague who told her the exact opposite. And he's like, I've been doing this for 20 years. You know, I run the wine program in this restaurant. Yes, I get to call myself a sommelier because it's what I do every single day professionally. And it doesn't matter that I don't have any of the professional certifications. I'm still a sommelier. And I think that's where this word gets very hazy because on the one hand, it is a word that lay people understand as this is a wine professional. If someone calls themselves a sommelier, I can be certain that this person knows a heck of a lot about wine, but... Then there are also people who are like, well, if you don't do it on, in your day to day job or you don't have a professional certification in it, then you don't deserve to call yourself that. So, you know, it's different than being a doctor. Like, you can't call yourself a doctor unless you are a doctor. You can't call yourself a lawyer unless you've passed the bar. But this is a term that's a little more tricky.
1: I love the whole history of. Of looking at this, you know, the wine servant type thing, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know if I ever told you the story came about. I was looking for a Twitter handle when way back when I started getting on Twitter, and I searched the history of wine servants. Have you ever heard the term cup bearer? Uh,
0: only when it comes to Greek mythology.
1: See, I'm doing so it. no. <laughs> so, a cup bearer was dated back to like 196 BC was actually a position It was in very high rank again in the royal court and once again their duty was to get drinks and prepare drinks for the royal table and they actually had a seat at the table they were ranked up as they were royal and the term was called cupbearer and um, I wanted to call my wine education site cupbearer but obviously the, the handle was taken Someone else had the idea. And then I changed it to Wine Education. So that's what our show uses, at Wine Education. So everyone knows I'm putting that plug in there. But there's only a few select like, cup bearers that were in existence. So the original sommelier, they, they drank wine and they knew things, Kemp. <laughs> and once again, they had to be aware of the, the uh, chance of someone was going to kill the royal court so there could be poison. And it was also mentioned in the Bible... But it was called, at that time, the Hebrew word was but. So the history of the so-called sommelier goes way back. There was always someone who knew wine and called themselves something. Mm -hmm. So it has a history. This is great. A big history.
0: Yeah, a long history. Well, I mean, humans have been drinking wine and wine-type beverages all over the world for a very, very long time. So it makes sense that there have always been people who specialize in it. And uh, we're just the latest ones, aren't we?
1: Yeah, and the certificate in a long thing, line. With the Master of Wine, which was a UK thing, mm-hmm. I think. Would they say started back in the sixties? This so. was
0: I, this was actually information that I did not know. That I appreciated from this article is that so when you're talking about like these really high echelons of wine certifications like the tippity top you can't go any higher the two top most certifications that you can get in our industry are the master of wine the mw and the master sommelier the ms and the master of wine comes from an organization that is based in london my old boss at legal seafoods is one of the two masters of wine in massachusetts and it was first awarded in 1953 so a fairly long time ago now, but still, you know, relatively recent. It's not like it goes back to the 1800s or anything. So 1953 and the, the study, if you're going to be a master of wine, is a little bit more academic. So people who are MWs tend to do a lot of research. They tend to be a lot of writers, critics, winemakers, a lot.
1: There's hmm? only, what, a thousand, less than a thousand
0: Yeah, it's like 800 something MWs in the entire world. But then there's the MSs, the Master Sommeliers, which I actually think that I don't even know how many MSs there are in the world. But that is a US-based organization, the Court of Master Sommeliers. And they are more focused on service. So those folks may not end up you know, they probably started their careers in a restaurant doing restaurant wine service, maybe being a wine director somewhere, but definitely the service aspect of pouring wine, knowing wine, pairing it with food, knowing the appropriate presentation of a bottle of wine, mostly in a restaurant setting. And then those people go on to do other things within the industry, but tend to be more focused on service. And that first exam was given in the late 60s, like 1969. So I didn't even realize that it was as young of a certification as it is.
1: And in that you, people can relate. We always talk about this the series Psalm, right? I mean, if right. you want to see that whole process, how they take the, the service part of the exam and all that. So yeah. And it's, it's
0: very intense. And there's a lot of overlap between the two, like blind tasting is a big thing, knowing, you know, memorizing a lot of things about regions and grape varieties and soil types. And, you know, a lot of this stuff that isn't necessarily useful on a day-to-day basis. But for wine geeky folks like ourselves, we really thrive on that knowledge because we really, I don't know. I know that you're the same as me, Mark, where you really just, even if we're not going to use that information all the time, we really like to have it because it really informs a lot of the other things that we can talk about that we can make applicable to people's wine choices on a day-to-day basis so it's a lot of you know there's a a lot of learning that could go into it but kind of to get back to our initial um you know our initial initial conversation about this yes there are these official designations but it's very interesting how that this term of sommelier or wine steward has kind of changed over time and uh you know those of us that are, are in the industry. Yes, maybe we're not technically a certified sommelier, but th- I kind of still consider you to be a wine steward. You know, you're leading people through their purchasing and trying to find them a wine that's going to be tasty for them. So you, you know, you kind of do the same function as that wine steward, hopefully without the poison.
1: Yeah, yeah. I taste, I'll taste for you. I'll bite the bullet and teeth everybody. <laughs> that's right. We taste through all, all these wines for wine. everyone. Yeah. But it's a tough job, we won't get someone has to do it.
0: <laughs> Thank you for listening to us today on The Wonderful World of Wine. We've been your hosts, Kim Simone and Mark Lindsay. Please leave us comments and questions on our Facebook page, The Wonderful World of Wine, and we'd be happy to address them in an upcoming show. You can find past episodes of our show on SoundCloud and iTunes, and we will visit again with you next week. Cheers.